Hey, rock stars, I'm JB, expert salesperson and master presenter. I'm the doctor, psychologist, and behavioral expert. This is the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab Podcast. We're high-performance coaches that help service-based professionals and entrepreneurs take their skills to the next level. 70% of entrepreneurs fail, which is why every week we have real talk with real entrepreneurs to help ensure you are not one of them. We're also the inventors of the Be Rich Mindset. Where we rise to mastery, inspire greatness, celebrate knowledge, and help others along the way. So join us in the lab. And now, on to the show. Welcome back to the lab. I'm JB. And I'm the doctor. This is your first time joining us. Thank you so much for joining us here in the EML, where we have real talk with real professionals on a weekly basis. And if you are a returning viewer or listener, thank you so much for joining us here. Please make sure to give us a like, a subscribe, a follow before you shut down your viewer or your listener today, whether you're on YouTube or you're listening on a podcast app. We appreciate it. And we're grateful for all you out there. Thank you. For all those cyborgs that are listening before you shut down, make sure you do all those things. What he, he said, I guess. But it's something that we do want to be deliberate about this year. You know, we talk about fresh starts and, and keeping a consistent start throughout the year. And this is one of the things that's important for us and for the impact we can make with this channel. So so really, please do. We're not joking around. Give us a like, subscribe, and follow. And we appreciate it. And we are going to ask you every single week. We are repetitive in that sense. Just don't hit subscribe twice because I think that unsubscribes you. So just one click. All right. Fresh start February. How's it going for everybody? For everybody or for me? You're only talking to me. I'm hoping somebody else will talk back to me at this point. But I'm just... just just voices in your head, man. Uh, it's good. You know, I I I like February. February is a good month. It's it's cold weather here in Florida, which means it's like 70 plus degrees. And life is bueno. I got nothing, nothing bad about February. One month closer to the daylight savings time coming back. Oh my God. That's what I'm counting. Care about. That's all you ever care about. I, I, I'm, done, I'm done with this conversation. I am excited though, because in the month of February, we get some awesome guests to invite onto the podcast and into the lab here. And today I'm really excited to invite two of our guests. We've got Children's Harbor joining us with CEO and President Tiffany Dogie and Chief Development Officer, aka the Janitor, El Janitor, Eric Chafin. Oh, man. Better than Manator, I guess. So, <laughs> I have to ask a question before before you ask us a question. What is a cyborg? Cyborg. Oh, she must be Sci-fi. Only, only only cyborgs don't cy- know what cyborgs are, so we have to start questioning. Uh, is that a is that a replicant yeah. little? Uh, it would be definitely going down the AI rabbit hole. Like a robot, something what? like a robot, Tiffany. Got a lot of Blade Runner vibes going on right now, everybody. The Terminator, Blade Runner. Wow, you're taking us back there, JB. That that is. Remember you remember Blade Runner? Well, they just did a new no, one, so. maybe. Oh, I'm, no, I'm the, old the old one. one. The old one was a good one. The, the new one was a bad. Yeah, one. The old yeah. one was fantastic. Wow, that's, that's Tiffany. Do you know Blade Runner? You're looking at me like you don't know Blade Runner. Any of our listeners can't see your face right now, but if you're watching this on YouTube, you know what I'm talking about. It's really bad to really get all packed together. So, I I don't believe that I've I've ever seen. I'm afraid to admit that I don't think I've ever seen Blade Runner. I'm 
Harrison Ford. Well, I'm going to make you feel better. I still haven't seen the new Top Gun. So, like, you know, it's, you're, you're a good company. Oh, you did not miss anything. What? That was a lot of hype. Yeah, that was a lot of hype. You just, like, upset yeah. 75% of America with that one. I know. <laughs> you know, my husband was, my husband waited for that. Top Gun's one of his favorite, favorite, favorite movies. He waited for that movie forever. And then we were, we were disappointed. We were disappointed. Was it? I'd never seen it. Was it like a womp womp? You know what? Again, it's an unpopular opinion, Eric. Okay. I couldn't tell you. I've never seen it. So a lot of people liked it. A lot of people liked it. I felt like it was like you need to update your screenplay a little bit. Like it was the same sort of um, writing style, same sort of script as it was a hundred years ago. Like the jokes, the the tone, the everything. Very cheesy. We thought it was cool then because we were cheesy, but now, you know, the world has moved on. Time it's, it is the 80s. You remember the movie Rad? Remember anybody remember Rad? That was great. 1980s. Rad, R-A-D. How old were you in the in the 80s? Uh, okay, so moving on. <laughs> I will say the same age you were, Tiffany. Come on. We're like what? We're like a year apart, man. No, you remember Rad? Rad was never freestyling. Yeah, but no, this is Rad. This is a freestyling. This was a oh. movie all about freestyling. Really, really. Wait, bad. is this R A P or R A D? R A P R A D. Rad. Rad. Totally Rad, dude. Yeah, if you look it up and you watch the movie, it's really bad, but it's it's actually really good for the time period. You know, because you know, so funny. Whenever I play these things for my kids, they're like. Dad, the graphics. I'm like, what? You watch this? I, I Are you can't kidding? believe I'm saying this, but he's selling rad better than you sold Top Gun. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch. I might, I might check that one out first. Well, no, I don't think you should see right. Top. Gun. Well, that's that's so, that's it. That's what I'm saying. Totally rad. <laughs> nice, radical dude. That was a thing, and I heard that come back just recently from my 14 year old daughter. Rad came back into the whole play. I'm like, why well, haven't heard that? So, so radi- radical reminds me of like what were those, those special levels on Super Nintendo, Super Mario Brothers, like three or something. You had all those special levels and like bodacious and radical and like that was one of the levels. Don't remember that. But... Wow. <laughs> we, it, it usually takes us a little longer that to get off the rails on our conversations, but I'm enjoying this. <laughs> we have a new opening theme. Hope you guys have two hours of your, of your morning. You know what I miss? I miss Tetris. Let's while we're talking about video games. Tetris. I miss Tetris. Oh, not another Tetris person. I love Tetris. I didn't and know Frog- you really? can still play Tetris and Frogger. I play Frogger on my kid's iPad all the time. He he's sometimes not even there, and I play Frogger or like the equivalent. Um, it's like Chicken Crossy Road. It's called Crossy Road, and you you like you just it's Frogger basically, but better. Yeah. Is that yeah. your number one, Tiffany? Would be uh, Tetris. I love Tetris. Yeah. I don't know why. I love it. I love Tetris. Eric is more of a mind sweeper kind of guy. Uh, I have Gal- Galica. Galica was my thing, man. Remember Galica? No. Okay, am I aging myself no, again? This is no, fantastic. No, no. I don't understand. I, or Journey. Remember Journey had a game. Remember Journey? I do. No, I do. Okay. I remember all this. Yeah, stuff. it was back in the arcade game. I'm still trying to get you over the fact that, that Doc said he's a minesweeper type of guy. Like I knew one minesweeper type of guy. I didn't say like I said Eric was. Oh, okay. That makes more <laughs> no. sense now. No, I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't I, think anybody I, self-identifies actually, no. as a minesweeper type of guy. Minesweeper. No, that's where the oh, bombs go a, off. Uh, yeah. A job 
where I had to call people way back in the day and it did have a computer and it did have Minesweeper on it. So I became a very big fan of doing really that. Really not a bad making, game. It makes you think. As opposed to uh, making phone calls. But Duke Nukem, everybody oh, remember Duke Nukem, God. right? Now that, that was a great <laughs> game, man. Ooh. I have I, I have to share those audio clips with Tiffany. Those are great. That was so non-PC. Those are yes, yeah. That was good times. That was nineties. So I'm some going. Them, I'm, right? I've moved now from eighties to nineties. Yeah, there we go. Hey, by the time we get done with this episode, we might be able to get to today and do the introductions. <laughs> Bam! Right. Oh, the doc's ready for you to wow. tell everybody who you are okay. and what you do. So. <laughs> Move along, move along, people. Okay. What are we supposed to say? <laughs> Whatever he tells you, apparently. Yes, Daddy. Yes, Daddy. <laughs> that that was low hanging fruit too. Okay. Why did Why did you uh, Why did you kick us off, Tiffany? Tell us a little bit about uh, Children's Harbor and kind of your role and how you got involved and and who you are. Let fill in, fill our audience in a little bit. Well, my name is Tiffany Dogie, and I have the incredible privilege of leading the team at Children's Harbor as president and CEO, as you've already mentioned. Um, we are a child welfare organization, nationally accredited, been around for 26 years, and we are exclusively dedicated to serving teenagers in foster care. That's really what sets us apart, because there are a lot of child welfare organizations in South Florida. A lot, unfortunately. Unfortunately, there's a need to have a lot of child welfare organizations in the state of Florida. And what sets us apart from all of our peers is that we are exclusively dedicated to serving this specific population, teenagers who are in foster care. So everything that we do is measured against whether or not we can make a meaningful impact in with this specific population of teenagers that are often left behind they're that population that very few people feel called to serve. Um, they are very challenging. Teenagers are challenging when they're not in foster care, much less when they are in foster care and have experienced egregious trauma. So all of our programs are designed to wrap ourselves around these teenagers and help them get through the trauma that they've experienced and move past it. What? Awkward silence. <laughs> But it's it's a great introduction to Children's Harbor. What about yourself? How'd you get involved? I mean, what what brought you into this world in the first place? That's an interesting question because never in a if you had asked me ten years ago, will you or told me that I'd be working with teenagers ten years ago, I would have said you are smoking crack. There is not a shot in hell that I would willingly work with teenagers. But this is this is the aspect of the peeled the, of the peeled the peeled. <laughs> This is the aspect of the field that professionals will run screaming from. Like nobody wants to work with teenagers. Um, but to answer your question, I started out at the bottom of this field. Like I actually, when I started my career in child welfare, I was a transporter. That was like the low end of the totem pole. And um, I kind of landed, you know, as I worked my way up, I landed in foster care. I landed in what we call foster care support. So I recruited foster parents, I trained foster parents, I placed kids in their home, and then I supported them while they were caring for those kids. And so it's an ongoing coaching um, from recruitment all the way to adoption when they finally are able to adopt. 
And that's where I really thought that I was going to retire from that aspect of the field. It was, it was my first love. It was my passion for almost 15 years. Um, and then my, honestly, it was a personal, a personal issue that really shifted my focus. My husband became CEO of that organization and I stepped down from that position and kind of flip-flopped around, you know, looked for my place, never really felt passionate about any other aspect of the field. And it was about three or four years before Children's Harbor came across my radar. And they were looking to launch a foster care program at this organization at the time, five years ago. And they were also considering what they were going to be doing with some, um, new federal legislation, how they were going to transition into, into implementation with that legislation. And so I was already connected with Children's Harbor because they had been talking to me about foster care. And I just fell in love with the organization. I fell in love with the team. And um, it was a natural transition for me, even though it was something I never really thought that I would be passionate about. I became passionate about the organization and the team and then just couldn't, couldn't leave. <laughs> so that's, that was probably a longer answer than you wanted. It was a perfect answer. I am curious to hear from Eric and how you got involved, Eric, what, what brought you into the fold, if you will. So, yeah, it's a interesting, um, interesting journey that I've had. And, um, it was, uh, almost four years ago, I think, um, I was actually with an IT company. So just a real quick background. Um, I started my career in, in IT back in the 90s, found my way through different technology companies, litigation, consulting companies. And then uh, the past uh, probably about 10 years, I was in IT sales and, and ended up bringing uh, Children's Harbor on as a client um, in the capacity was uh, with, with a local company here. And it, it was interesting. You know, I, I found that they were only six minutes away from my house. And so I connected with Tiffany and a couple of the gals here in development. I was like, hey, can you can you give me a tour? I kind of know what you guys do, but not really to the, the detail. Um, so I, you know, I took a tour and was just blown away by the impact that Tiffany and her team was making with the kids and the teams here. Um, I've got three kids of my own, you know, and um, obviously now 18, 14 and 11. So getting a tour and getting an idea of, you know, the, some of the things that these teens have gone through or still going through, um, I could even fathom any person, let alone a teenager, uh, have to deal with these abuse and trauma and these, these stories. Um, so I was really impacted and I really wanted to see how I can help. So I asked Tiffany, you know, what can I do? I mean, what, what I write in the backyard and no, I didn't even know you're here. Nobody knows you're here. How can I help get the word out? Just, Hey, just, sing our song as much as you can out in the community. So I started to help them to make connections, bring people over, uh, folks in my circles. And, uh, and then Tiffany, of course, uh, about five, six months. And he says, Eric, uh, would you like to come on and do some board work with us? And I'm like, sure, why not? So did that for about, uh, I think a little, little about a year. And then um, in, in that, I had a transition point and then uh, had a lot of conversation with Tiffany and some of the board members and um, they asked if I would like to come on in this capacity. And I, of course, being from, from for-profit, it, it, I finally wrapped my head around it and it was probably the best decision I've ever made. Um, waking up in the morning, 
knowing the impact we're making with these teens and kids and even the young adults in Browns Harbor um, is is absolutely tremendous. So, I think what 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 strikes me about what you both described is uh, you know the difference in how passion can hit us. Uh, you know, for you, Erica, it's kind of almost a slap in the face. You know, you, you described you know how it was a sudden you know realization whereas with tiffany the way you described it was like hey i would have never imagined this would become my passion but given time it just it just grew and grew and and it's always interesting because i, I think for some people they think that passion is like this hot burning fire but a lot of times it's like you got to start that fire right like passion doesn't always just exist for people like it, it comes over time for a lot of us uh and it's because we put so much into something that it, that it develops into a true passion. So very interesting hearing the two, the two stories and a really, you know, just a, a unique model to your point, working with foster kids, you know, you hear a lot about foster kids, but you don't really jump when you think foster kids for most of us, I don't think you jump to teenagers. You're thinking like, Oh, young kids in the system. Teenagers is teenagers are hard when they have all the support in the world yeah yeah josh i mean you could think about it you know and, and again the thing i say is the correlation of my kids you know my teens they go to school you know they come home and, and just think think about that the normalcy of you know my son ian you know he goes to high school he comes home he knows when he comes home he puts his bag down then he goes to the refrigerator then he knows mom and dad will be home at you know six o'clock and they'll make dinner so you have this baseline you have this consistency you have this expectation and just what we call normalcy um and the kids that we serve at children's harbor don't have any have had really nothing to, to nothing of of that type of baseline um and what's really cool and tiffany I, I you know you could talk hours on this but it's it's really cool is our team here is basically creating that love and that environment for these teens stuff that they never had these experiences that my kids you know have had um, and to see that is, is pretty cool. It's really, really amazing. Introducing normalcy is, is always interesting, <laughs> um, because each child's story is different. You know, some kids have had structure some kids, um, that we receive have had too much structure structure. Um, and then some kids have had nothing like they've raised themselves. And so the concept of coming to a, a group home setting and you know we have dinner at 6 30. we take a shower every single day we i know those are sounds real. we expect you to this is how you do your laundry or this is like there's been there's been no normalcy at all and you know something as simple as having dinner together and the the confusion of what why, why, why do we have to have dinner together? Why do we have to have dinner at all? Why can't I just have chips? Because they've been raising themselves, you know, um, just it's, it is, every kid is different, but um, I'm surprised at how I'm always surprised. I'm surprised that, you know, like there's always something new. There's always a situation that comes up and I'm like, wow, I've never heard that before. Um, so you never quite get, get your finger on the pulse of what to expect. I'm not sure if that came out right, but. There's always something new, and I'm sure Doc can can um, can confirm that you also had a history with this population. There's always something new that pops up that you've never quite encountered. You're like, huh? How do we how do we handle how do we support this? Well, that is the interesting aspect of 
what we think is normal um, that they never had this chance to to experience. And then there's always a resistance right up front, right? There's that. Yes. Why would I want to do that? They really want to do it a lot of times, but they're so a teenagers. So teenagers are naturally yeah. resistant to anything that an adult saying out of you know out of their own. I've never had to go to school every day. I went to school twice this week. Why do I have to go to school for the rest of the days? I already went twice. Well, because you have to. What do you mean I have to? So it's always it's always an interesting dynamic. And it's instinctual. They have a thing. Yeah, it's instinctual to disagree with an adult at that age. What do you mean right. the water's wet? Water's dry. <laughs> yeah. Right. What do you mean the what do you mean I have to use soap? What I think that happens in every home though, like deodorant. Deodorant, it's a thing. You should wear it. It matters. And then they argue about that. I know I'm not the only one whose son argued about deodorant. So don't leave me hanging on a branch, chafing. I just, just not that just get kids to shower when they're younger, when you do have like a like the 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 more traditional background, like what we'll call the quote unquote normal here, at least you know, for for a lot of kids out there. Um, can be a challenge, let alone if they're growing up without any of that structure, for example. It's, it's pretty crazy. And I'm kind of half chuckling over here, not not because of what we're talking about, but because you you said, oh, there's things that you've never heard, Doc. And I'm sitting here going, like, I've heard some things that this guy's run across where he doesn't blink an eye. And I'm like, ah! yeah. <laughs> I feel like he has heard everything. I don't... <laughs> it's really hard to shock me at this yeah. point. Yeah. I'm going to try. I'm going to take that on as a challenge. I'm going to start filtering things. I'm going to start calling you on FaceTime so I can see if I actually get a facial expression. What about this? Have you heard about this? <laughs> so, I like to win games, so I'm like not playing this game because I will be easily shocked. I have, I have no doubt. Uh, I want to I I talk a little bit about something, if it's okay, because, you know, I, I run – in businesses where there's reputation and not always great reputation. And the foster care system certainly has, I think kind of a, you know, a smell around it almost, right. You know, it, not, not to be offensive. Uh, but I think there is a perception that there's a lot of wrong in the, in the foster care system. So can you talk about that a little bit and how, how that kind of influences and impacts the work you do? Yeah. That's a deep end question. Thank you so much for lobbing it at me. I so appreciate that. Um, in brutal transparency, I would absolutely acknowledge that the foster care system is a cluster, is a disappointing cluster. Um, on, and I'm sure that there are many systems of care because you know we don't just have systems of care that revolve around children. We've got systems of care that revolve around incarcerated individuals. We've got systems of care that revolve around um, elderly. I mean, there's all kinds of systems of care, the systems in Florida. And child welfare is a complicated, jacked up system of care. And in that system, there are professionals um, who mean well and who fall short. And there are professionals that are incredible amazing rock stars who bleed for the children that they've been entrusted to serve. And then there are professionals that should find another field. And I think that that is probably 
the song of every business owner. You've got rock stars on your team and you've got people who should be on Indeed looking for another place. Um, the system of care is jacked. And in group care, which is what we do, we are often villainized. As I said, teenagers are left behind by the system. The programs and the organizations that serve teenagers are notoriously underfunded. Um, they're understaffed because it's difficult to retain team members uh, because teenagers are exhausting. And they're like, oh, I'd rather go work for the Amazon work. What happened? Did you lose my face? We, Am I still on we, the video screen? We, we lost your face, but it, it's okay. You can keep going. You can still okay. We'll put so, a little picture of an elf, elf up for you. Don't worry. Okay, no problem. You can have my llama <laughs> as, as a picture. Uh, you've got professionals who, you know, they do they do a few months and they decide that they want to, they'd rather work at the Amazon warehouse and make $10 more an hour than work with teenagers. And I can't say that I blame them. So there's a lot of challenges that revolve around the system of care and especially around um, the facet of the field that is specifically dedicated to serving teenagers. And we, a lot of peer organizations that I am aware of, do fall short. They they do put in minimum effort. I can't disagree with that. There are places that I would not put my own relative. I would not trust certain organizations to care for my own relative. And so when we were strategizing as an organization, one of the profound values that we have is that we love our kids well, that we do everything that we can to love these children as if they were our own children. We wrap them with everything that we would want our own kids to experience. And we stand by them shoulder to shoulder. If they are reunified with their family, we are there for them. If they stay with us until they age out, we are there for them as if we are their extended family and we will stay with them until they feel secure enough. It doesn't matter if they're 21 or they're 22 or they're 25 or they're 32. We are their extended family now. And if they have no one else, they will always have us. It doesn't matter if they're if the state has considered their their case closed. That if we were going to serve teenagers, we were going to do it with an excellence that is unmatched, and that's kind of how we we honestly and transparently will acknowledge that not everyone has that philosophy of care, but that's not who we are, and we are fortunate enough to have such tremendous support from a community who allows us to do what we do with excellence and to love these kids with, with 150% of ourself. We could not do this without the support of a community that helps us do this. I think as we were, as you alluded to, Tiffany, um, the, the challenges around that, because we have the same thing that we see like with the addiction centers and the treatment centers in, um, in the psychology world, where they're plenty of bad actors out there that did a lot of terrible things, take advantage of the money. Cause you know, same thing with the foster care system, as I seen in the past was you get money, you get money from the state, you get money from, from insurance companies. So that's a great way to kind of just bring in some revenue and, and do some dastardly deeds and not really care. But there's also a lot of great ones that are mixed in there and they don't get the, they, because they're doing things the right way, they get more of the inspections, they get more of the follow throughs, and it's a lot of a challenges. And I saw the same thing, same thing with Medicaid, when you're working with kids in schools, you know, the ones that are doing it right have to go through so much scrutiny, because they can't get the ones anymore that are doing it wrong. 
so they focus on the ones that are doing it right. So that should give some good confidence to our listeners, though, that the ones that are doing it right are going through so much scrutiny, are going through so much follow through that they all their eyes are dotted and all their T's are crossed. And those are the ones. So just do your research when you're looking on who to donate to, who to who to work with. Just do your same thing. I do it with the with the treatment centers. I always vet them before I do any kind of recommendation, even the dinners and all those things that they do. Uh, just do your research ahead of time and make sure that you're getting a, a, a reputable company. Yes. Do not just settle for the sound bite. Do not. Because they have the ones that that sound the most impressive on those commercials are the ones that are giving you the biggest kind of uh, attraction to get to get your donations are the ones that are using the money in those places as opposed to for the actual kids. So don't go for flash. Yeah, ask always ask the simple question is how much how much per dollar is going directly to your programs is a great question. You know, like and then doing your research to make sure that they're not sheltering that and sheltering their administrative expenses in another entity. But you want to make sure that you know exactly how much of your dollar for every dollar this much goes to programs is a very important question to ask a nonprofit that you are supporting. And then doing the follow up to make sure that their answer is on par. Right. And that goes across the board for donations. I mean, I don't want to name any names, but Goodwill is terrible. Um, yes. Best business yeah. model out there. Take all your free stuff that people donate and then sell it at a profit. And then the owner is super rich. Oh, so don't yes. give to Goodwill is what I'm saying. Um, but outside of that, <laughs> make sure you're just doing your research. You know what? That's funny that you brought up that because it's so interesting that, you know, people will give, people will clean out their garage. This is a, this is a sidebar, but people will clean out their garage and they cannot handle throwing their stuff away, stuff that they haven't used in like five or six years or sometimes longer. And so they want to give it to a nonprofit. Um, a lot of nonprofits have the opportunity to, I'll, I'll use textiles as, as a, um, as an example. There is an organization that will take your textiles or your towels, your shoes, your clothing, your blankets, rugs, things that you, anything that's a textile, and they will weigh it and they will pay you by the pound. And so that's very, very helpful for a small organization like ours, because that could bring in thousands of dollars a year for us to help us with general operating expenses. But people will not put their textiles in the bin because they don't want to imagine that it was thrown away. Does that make sense? Like they want us to, if they give us a blanket, they want us to give the blanket they haven't used in 10 years to an actual child. They don't want to imagine that it went into a bin and that it was weighed. <laughs> and I guess I don't even repurposed. Um, it's so interesting people's attachment to their things, you know? Yeah. No, it's all that perception, right? That no one... The perception of how we're helping and we want it. They want to do the help, which is why the, the named mm -hmm. company that I just said has it in their name, right? Like it's, it sounds like I'm doing a good thing. And yes, good. We're not well, saying we your name. Say okay. Goodwill's bad. Right. <laughs> I will There's our sponsorship <laughs> dollars. Thanks. Thanks, Doc. They don't, and that's the thing. They're not going to sponsor go. anything either. They're just going to take the money and, and live in the lavish life. It's just not realistic. I mean, there's no teenager that I know that wants to wear an, a four-year-old pair of shoes. You know, they just don't. 
They don't, they want new shoes. And especially because they're foster children, they already have a complex that they're not enough. They don't want to wear dirty used shoes that have been on someone else's feet. And I can't blame them. They want something. We had a kid once, somebody brought a hat. I wish I could remember the hat, but it was like, you know, a, a hat that everybody wanted to wear, like a, a hat. And um, that kid kept the tags on the hat. And when we asked him why, he said, because I, I want everybody to know it was new. I want everyone to know that this was new. And uh, okay, that was something I had never heard before. Um, and I'm not a clinician doc, so I can't really tell you why he wanted everyone to, but I just, his, his issues about not being worthy were so profound that he was really keeping the tags on his stuff so people knew that he had new things, not hand-me-down things. Um, it was also a style for a while because it was definitely totally rad. No, it wasn't because it was, it was totally rad. Totally rad. Don't minimize it. That's totally I think it's I think it's still style that, right? to keep a lot of the stickers on the hat. Maybe not the tags, but the stickers, you know, on on the brim. Uh, hey, Eric, I want to I want to ask you, man, just from the from the development side, right? I imagine dealing with the with the reputational side uh, is a challenge in of itself, but just developing i imagine support which is a large part of your role and i don't want to assume it is but i, I imagine just the role of development's a little bit different over there for a nonprofit than it is on the corporate side uh and for profit you know what are what are some of the differences and what are some of the challenges you know from nonprofit to for profit because you come from the for profit world but also specifically for children's harbor for for the foster care system the, the group home side of things uh and and localized for you Right. That's a great question. Um, obviously, much different than for profit. But as you know, JB, uh, you know, it, it's sales and people and um, it's just a different it's a different it's a different ask. Uh, and uh, to me, it's all about um, value and uh, where people in the community, um, you know, are looking to spend their time, invest, um, you know, either invest their time or their dollars in the community. Um, and actually it was a, a gentleman, I can't remember who it was, and he had told uh, Tiffany on this one time we were chatting and he goes, it's interesting, Eric, because you know what? Um, I don't like dogs. I don't like old people, but I like kids. I like kids. And I remember it's like, that's, that is great. And, and it kind of goes with anything that you're trying to um, communicate with any human, like trying to find out um, where their interests are at, or in the for-profit side, you're looking for pain. Where is their pain? How can I now, you know, take my product and then solve their issue or challenge? Um, and it's the same thing when, when people ask me, um, Eric, who, do you, who are you looking to be introduced to? Uh, and my answer to that is, you know, I'm looking to connect with people in the community that are giving back right now at some capacity, do have a passion for kids specifically, possibly in the foster care area. So, you know, to me, we're having an impact. It's just the awareness. Um, and what's really been interesting in the time I've been here and the new donors that we bring in, um, and this gentleman actually that came nameless right now, but I remember him coming to me and says, you know, and they actually been given to us at a, at a good, good rate. Um, and, um, and it was his journey. He was actually given to another agency in the community and he kind of felt reluctant because here because eric i've been given to this this agency um this other agency you know for some time 
and his experience just wasn't that great. He goes, you know, I, I was given in a certain capacity. I asked that, you know, I wanted to have this experience like I typically do. And they, they basically flat out said, no, we can't do that, but we'll take your check. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's, that's strange. So to me and, and to Tiffany as well, communication is key. So anybody that wants to be a part of the impact we're making, they feel what we've been hearing from donors is they feel that they're intimately involved. They see it directly. It's right at their fingertips. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a different feel. Um, you're not giving to this behemoth you know, entity, you actually can see every dollar, every time, every, you know, when you're spending your time, investing your time, you actually see it and you're a part of it. You're part of the journey. You're almost become basically part of our family um, as we're, you know, helping these teens with, you know, with, with their, with their challenges and, and their journey. So um, I think it helps that we're not afraid to share the good, bad and the ugly. Um, that's an intentional choice on my part that, I do believe that there is a community out there that wants not just transparency, they want authenticity. You know, like if I'm giving you $500, I want to know what's going on there. That that $500 is is important to me. So I could have spent $500 on my kid or myself. I want to know what's really going on. I want to it's a trust factor. Yes, it's always a trust factor, but they're tired of the Pollyanna whitewashed newsletter. Like they want to actually know, and, and they know that stuff goes on with teenagers. They're not dumb. They know that you're going to have challenges. It's inherent in what we do, that there are going to be challenges, but they want to know about the challenges too. Mm -hmm. And we're really transparent about that. We're like, yeah, this week sucked. And this is why it sucked. And they're like, oh man, sorry. But they, I think, the people who are stepping up to support our mission, the people who believe in us enough to actually financially support us want to hear the good, bad and the ugly. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. We don't have to pretend. I love that. And I, I know that was an apprehension too. Tiffany, I would talk about this. Well, how do we bring donors here? Because, you know, as you guys can imagine, there's a lot of behavioral byproduct from the experiences these teams have gone through. And with that, you're going to see things and hear things that, um, you know, most people are like, well, you know, well, why aren't they saying thank you? Why aren't they using manners? Yeah. And I've had multiple conversations and preparing donors and preparing folks to take a tour and said, listen, as you can imagine, there's byproduct and things that because of their experience, you may see or hear things because, but then wrapping their head around that. So they don't, are not coming to this environment thinking that, it's going to be this, like you had mentioned, Tiffany, Pollyanna, you know, um, it's real. It's real. This is real teens. This is real. And they're bringing, being brought into the fold. Um, and it is very eye-opening for the community to see this. And more people should see it um, because, you know, um, and again, we have these conversations all the time. And, and I, everybody, you know, in the community at some point or another, I know I have to, you, you know, you live in your, your bubble, you know, it's your safe area. Um, but people, more people should be exposed to the work we're doing. So they really know the reality of the community we're living in and how they can actually help and make better, make it better. I'm not surprised to hear that it's benefited the organization to kind of be real out there and, and, and kind of be vulnerable with some of the 
difficulty that you've got to deal with. Uh, you know, we've had that conversation previously, not that long ago on the podcast about vulnerability and the way it can help uh, develop relationships and really strengthen relationships. And we had that experience just the other evening where we're somebody we know and we care about and that we have a ton of respect for it was scammed. Uh, so we were in a circle and, you know, they, they were clearly feeling bad. So we opened up about how all of us had been scammed in the past and what we've went through because you're not alone. Um, but it's okay to be vulnerable and it, it's amazing how inclusive it can make everything for, for other people. Uh, so I, I'm not surprised to hear, you know, a little bit maybe of hesitancy and getting vulnerable and getting real, but then seeing the benefit of doing it, that, that makes a lot of sense. So speaking of wanting to help, I know you guys do a bunch of events throughout the year and then there's ways that they can, our listeners can also connect with you too. Uh, who would like to share a little bit about what you got coming up and how they can reach out and be a big supporter? Well, being February, we got a lot of cool stuff. So. Um, there's one link that, uh, I think you guys are going to share with the audience, uh, Linktree and Linktree, um, is basically it's dynamic. So any of the events we have coming up, um, you like to donate, uh, projects, volunteer, there's a ton of stuff on that Linktree. Um, so you guys are definitely can you know, take a look there. Um, if one link rule them all, there you go. And, and of course, you know, donations are great. So like, you know, I mentioned before is you know, obviously always looking for folks that are looking to give back at some capacity, either monetarily or with time or both, you know, it's great. Um, that I think you guys are sharing as well. Um, but our event that's coming up in May is going to be fantastic. And uh, we put a lot of work, uh, I should say, Tiffany's put a lot of work into this. Oh, you're so dumb. No, you're, you're, so you know, dude, you're like, you're the mastermind of this, not me. I have like about this much of the creativity piece and, you know, but uh, Tiffany, would you like to share a little bit about what it's going to look like? Wow. Thank you, Chafin. Anytime. We will be hosting we, our gala. We, when we do galas, we do one gala a year because that's all we can handle. We're little. <laughs> we don't do 13 or 15. We do one. Um, and the priority really for us as a team is that there are so many boring charity events out there that you go to and they talk at you the entire time. Like from the moment you get there to the moment you talk, talk, everybody's got to speak. And so we really work hard to, when we're going to do an event, it's centered around the people who attend, that they are going to have a great time, that this charity is a charity that you can support and you can bring your clients, you can bring your network with you, and you know that you're going to have a great time because they're not going to talk at you the whole night. So this year's theme centered around fun. We do teenagers. So we are going to have a prom. We're going to have a retro prom. And so um, guests will be encouraged to pick a decade that interests them the most and dress like they were going to prom in that decade or don't dress at all to show up and laugh at the people who did show up like that. And we're going to have the whole thing will be themed around a prom. And um, and it's going to be I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm going to make Chafin wear something that he will be mortified to wear. And I enjoy doing that because I can. And it's 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 part of the joy of my of my position is that I can torture him in such capacities. So you should come just to see the horrible <laughs> the horrible thing that Chafin's going to have. Thank God I am a great method actor. Um, I just need a little bit more time. 
a little more time, Tiffany, because you know, you know, I have to process it. I just then I become I, it. I can't believe <laughs> we've come full it. circle. We talk about our childhood <laughs> at the start of this conversation, and now we're back to, to, to our childhood talking about proms. Uh, do that That's full circle. Great. I absolutely love it. Well, Tiffany, Eric, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. We really appreciate it. Love hearing about Children's Harbor, the work you're doing out there, uh, and the impact you're making in the community. So, if any of our listeners or viewers want more information, it's in the show notes. You can find the links. Uh, you can donate. You can get involved. Uh, everything's appreciated here, especially at the start of the year. Oh, right yeah. here too. Right here if you're on YouTube, we got a little code. QR the code right man. there that you can utilize and get at it. And uh, thank you both. Seriously. We appreciate you. All right. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you, gentlemen. Totally rad. <laughs> nice. It's always interesting to get different perspectives, but even, even, you know, coming from a very different world than I've ever been exposed to. I mean, there's, there's some common ground. There's some things you hear that resonate across for-profit, non-profit, just across sales, business development, professionalism, and businesses in general. I took two notes here, Doc, that really stood out to me. Uh, one, how bringing people into the family can create a real sense of uh, involvement and engagement. And the second that people want to hear not just the good. They want to hear the bad and the ugly, right? They want to, they want to know the real stuff going on. Uh, and not just the cookie cutter, Pollyanna, you know, whitewash picture. Uh, I think that resonates and, and our listeners should, should really take that home. It makes a difference. It's interesting because I think in those moments, so when, when they're putting their, their money and they're donating towards it and they have an actual interest in it, then yes, they definitely want to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly, because then they know it's real, right? We talked about how there's a lot of those companies out there that are just taking the money and, and not actually providing the services that they're supposedly they're supposed to be doing. Uh, so when you are invested, whether it's monetarily, time, whatever it may be, you want to see all those pieces so that you know it's real. When you're not, you don't want to hear those things because you want to have the, the picture in your mind that everything is just hunky-dory, so you don't have any of that uh, feelings that, oh, something's bad there. No, I don't want to, everything's perfect. They're great. They're wonderful. So it is, is a lot of times seen by how much investment is given on how much they want to see actually some of those details. When I say investment, it's not strictly money. It's just, it could also be emotion, energy, whatever, whatever attachment that they have. It's a great conversation. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed rapping about video games and movies too. It was definitely totally rad. It was totally rad. That's it. Uh, so, hey, for our listeners, our viewers out there, again, all the details are in the show notes. You can access that if you weren't looking online and watching us on YouTube. Um, you can definitely access the show notes uh, through whichever podcast player you're using. And uh, if you haven't liked, subscribed, and followed, go ahead and do that for us now. Do not forget it. Otherwise, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm JB. I'm out. I'll just add, because I know I touched on it a little bit throughout the episode, uh, just do your research on any anybody that you want to donate or give time and energy to. Make sure you do your due diligence. Uh, there's a lot of really, really good places out there that need a lot of help um, in all different areas. So find something that speaks to you. 
do your due diligence, make sure they're reputable, that they're doing the right things, like Tiffany mentioned. And that's a great way to give back. So always just do your due diligence. And if you're doing your doing due diligence on us, you can check us out at jbthedoctor.com, or you can always look at us at our social media, follow along at jbthedoctor. And you can do that diligence to make sure that we are as awesome as we say we are. Because there's no doubt, in my mind, at least. So on that note, we're out of here. I'll see you guys on the next time. Peace out, yo.